Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 384. It's Matt and KB coming at you from Underground Studios. Got a lot to talk about. A team we haven't talked about in quite some time with the Philadelphia Flyers actually shaking some things up. Uh, all aboard Tank Nation. Uh, the 76ers, just a ton of more, you know, Damian Lillard. I, I don't know where Matt is. We're going to get into where I am on Dame, and we'll see if Matt's on the same page as me with Damian Lillard. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Union uh, get hit by COVID-19, and they are forced to play almost like the Sixers were against the Nuggets, and they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, we're going to get into one of the more exciting episodes of Survivor that went down last week as well. And we only have uh, two more episodes of this season left, which is sad but entertaining all at the same time, especially knowing that we have another season right around the corner. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course the homies over at Tomahawk Shades. The best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart with sunglasses, blue light glasses, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, watches, you name it, they got it. TomahawkShades.com, and when you go to check out, use promo code USP to get 25% off your entire order on quality eyewear for an affordable price. That's the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, promo code USP to get 25% off your entire order. Our friends at Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka. You guys can get 10% off the one-liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com with promo code USP. It's actively hydrating vodka. Uh, I was at Villa Fazolari earlier this afternoon, Matt, and they had a banner advertising stateside. I was like, oh, we're making it down here. Okay. Um, statesidevodka.com, promo code USP to get 10% off the one-liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Please drink responsibly, and you got to be 21 or older to purchase and our friends at Kenwood Beer go to kenwoodbeer.com use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap you got to be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly Matt the the Philadelphia 76ers I I just I don't know anymore this this team outside of Joel Embiid just seems like they don't want to win Damian Lillard is arguably becoming more and more of a coward and just I am I'm at the point where I'm just so out on this whole Damian Lillard hyper fixation that we've had for months and months and months because it just seems like it doesn't want to happen. And he's talking how he wants to play with Ben Simmons now in Portland. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts on the, the nonsense going on with the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, I would hate to see Damian Lillard's uh, 2K team if uh, on his like most wanted list is. Ben Simmons, 
Uh, Jalen Brown, fine. It's a, that's a fine ask. And Aaron Gordon, those are the. That's a strange list to make. Uh, in terms of that's what you think is going to save your season or turn around. There's a few problems with Damian Lillard. The the one is that this abdominal injury that he has that he should have gotten surgery for, which has apparently been lingering for a few years now. Uh, but he fought through this summer, went to play for the Olympic team, and um, he's talked about how that's affected him. And he hasn't been quite his most mercurial self. Like he's such a fantastic player and hasn't quite been that this season. And you have to think that that injury is certainly part of that. There's the other issue of that. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't seem to really be forcing his way, but he is unhappy with the situation. That much is obvious. Whether that means he ends up in Philadelphia, I don't know. I, I think it's it's hard. It's in some ways hard to see a path. In other ways, you know, Neil Oshley was just uh, fired from the Blazers, which is a continuation of the drama that they had all summer. And there was a very suspiciously leaked report to Woj about how uh, the the Blazers should be trading Dame, and that it, this should be the time that they kind of reset, and that whoever comes in next as GM, that's that should be their task and their goal, and that. Um, that there are people within the front office that believe that as well, that, that it's time to move on from Dame and, and restructure. So there's a lot of, of circus antics. And then, of course, you know, another rumored trade target, his teammate CJ McCollum now has a collapsed lung, which, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you hope he gets better, but that very obviously complicates any trade discussion if there is any about around CJ because he is someone that's been linked to the Sixers a lot. You, you have to imagine that his uh, status going forward is very uncertain and unclear. But yeah, Dame is Dame is still, I think, a, a dream. Uh, you know, but everything around trading Ben Simmons is still very nebulous, and it's hard to find the right fit. Bradley Beal apparently is uh, very non-committal about his future now in Washington, whereas in the past it was. I'm here. I want to work things out. And uh, as a quote from him that he's, he's not really, he's not looking to commit just yet. And, uh, you know, he's not going to commit his future to everything. I don't know. Uh, I think Daryl Morey has played it right Mm -hmm. by allowing this situation to, to bleed over the season. There's obviously been negatives. I'm not going to pretend like it's all been fine. And this is great, masterful work, but I think this was the right decision because of circumstances like this, which we know happen every year. We know every year that there are players that find themselves unhappy, that demand trades, that teams maybe get desperate or realize this season is not going the way we want. Our future is not what we want it to be, or there's front office change and a, a direction change that goes along with it. And I think that's that's what you're seeing potentially in Portland. I would still take Damian Lillard on this team. Um, absolutely 100%. I would still be willing to give up a lot to get him. The question is now, yeah, obviously the, the potential injury thing is very real. I mean, the, if he's not quite Damian Lillard, then mm-hmm. that's that's difficult, you know, because I, I would still make that trade, of course, but could potentially limit your ceiling. He's not young either. I mean, Damian Lillard is, is I don't want to say he's old because he isn't, but he's at an advanced age for, for a professional athlete. But we've seen, you know, guards typically don't age very well. So there, there's there are concerns there there are reasons to be like at least skeptical but I think you pull the trigger on it especially when Ben Simmons is not playing basketball for you. It's very <laughs> almost, true. Almost anything is an upgrade uh, on him at the moment. Uh, and that brings us to an early episode. Uh, 
Pickup Prop of the Week brought to you by our friends at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com right now. You start building your fan profile, play the hottest headlines in sports. You build up that fan profile. You earn points. If you get props correctly, you cash them in for prizes like a $20 gift card to Fanatics as advertised on this prop here. Brought to you by the Sixers Wire, which is USA Today's uh, Sixers coverage. Uh, this one at playpickup.com. Matt, the pickup prop of the week. Will the Sixers swap Ben Simmons for Dame this season? Yes or no? I don't think so. I, I, I just I, I find it very hard to believe that it's going to happen. I, I think very frequently these these types of trades never quite go the way we expect them to. I remember in the past we did an entire uh, breakdown of, of what superstars in the league actually go for, and it's surprisingly little. You have to just look at the James Harden trade, and that was really uh, not what I would call fair value for someone of his caliber. I think the Rockets did good to at least expand some of the assets that they got to get a good collection, but they did not get a, a haul for him. Mm-hmm. I would not call it a, you know, the, this is not, what was that famous Cowboys trade uh, in the 90s? Oh, the Herschel Walker. The, this is not a Herschel Walker yeah. trade, you know, where it, it spurs you on to the next part of your dynasty and, and lands you generational Hall of Fame talent or, or, or pieces. Like, I just don't see it happening. And I, I I have a hard time seeing this Ben situation resolving itself cleanly in any way. As the days go on, I, I know that I've, for myself, I've set this like December 15th uh, goal in mind of like, you know, once uh, all the contracts that were signed this summer are now tradable on December 15th, then you can start to take some of the rumors a little more seriously. Until then, it's all conjecture and I, I think a lot of just wish casting even <laughs> like a lot of people wishing that these moves are going to happen there was a ridiculous espn trade for uh, uh tobias harris tyrese maxi and a 2022 top 10 protected pick and matisse was in there was matisse in that as well for for damian lillard and um and cody zeller and cody zeller and i just head scratcher yeah. don't see that happening don't which I laughed when our good friend... Tobias Harris is actually, I think, a negative value in a trade at the moment. Because yeah. he's not good, and he's wildly overpaid. And I don't know who wants to pay that. Well, I and saw that's, one I, of the... That's, that's the other thing. Sorry to cut you off, but that's the oh, other no. thing with Portland as well. Apparently, they, they're they skeptical about Damien wants his two-year extension, uh, around $56 million a year, because that's the way that the, the cap is going. Uh, apparently, Portland is like not super into that idea just fired uh, their what president of basketball operations too yeah so neil, neil osha has gone like there's just there's a lot of uh flux right now with within portland well, i saw uh notorious sixers twitter uh partaker Trobro dude uh tweeted that we can't even trade tobias's contract because elton brand turned it into an nft <laughs> and maybe that's why he loves money. nfts so much he loves what he he, he it's like uh, that's what he was built from. He was built out of an <laughs> NFT carved from the same marble. He's like yeah, I mean, it's Bane. it's one of the worst contracts in the league for sure. And it's not even revisionism to say that it was stupid at the time. It's not like we look back and think, what were we thinking? At, in the moment, it was like... Yeah, we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I still, to this day, I have no clue who we were bidding against. There, were, there was no other team that was going to offer him even close to that money. It's not like we... The, the example I constantly use because they were in the same summer 
and of, of and I'm using heavy quotations, similar value to the team. Chris Middleton with the Bucks, they had to pay overpay him to get him to stay. And it worked out for them because they won a championship. And Chris Middleton's been good. It's been a, a very, very good player. But they had to overpay him because they could not afford to lose his talent right. walking because they were not able to replace him either through free agency because of their cap situation. The Sixers did not need to give Tobias Harris a $180 million contract. Nope. There's, there, was no, there was no market for Tobias Harris. This is a guy that's been traded how many times in his career? Like he's he's clearly not been a valued player by any organization. And I, I don't mean this to like be super negative on Tobias, but like I I still think that is such malpractice by this organization to, to sign him to that deal because it is such a a burden now on him too because he gets unfa- it's not you know he didn't offer himself the contract mm-hmm. he was offered it and any of us would sign up for that kind of money for anything like. You know, I, I can't blame the guy for for signing his name to that kind of money, and um, but it's it's just such malpractice by the organization to have even put themselves in this situation where this is a contract now, and and it's such a burden on the team, it's such a burden on roster building, it's such a burden on if you even want to include Tobias in a trade, because again, I I think it's a negative con- negative asset now. I I don't think he's someone that other teams look at and see like actual positive value in because he hasn't been good. <laughs> he's, yeah. It's actually been pretty bad this season, and you know maybe there's circumstances for that. But for the money you're paying him, you're paying him to be really the second best player on the team with with that kind of money mm-hmm. in, in today's NBA. He's not that. No, he's your fifth right now. If that, if I, that, I think that yeah. might even be generous. Like he is bad. He's inefficient. Takes god awful shots. His shot selection is is garbage. I I don't get it. And uh, man, that is just that is one of the worst decisions that we've made in the last four years. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of those decisions, mm-hmm. but that and is somehow two of them came there. in the same off season with him and Horford. And, I mean, Jimmy walking too. Yeah, I you because know, that 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 I think is the the branch with which we are on now. Because mm-hmm. I think you go a different way if you you keep Jimmy. Maybe you don't even trade for. I mean, trading for Tobias in the first place seems unnecessary. Like a rushed move. I I don't I. So so much should be questioned about uh that like six month period from mm-hmm. late January to July of that year. I think deserves uh an inquest. I mean seriously, I think it deserves a congressional hearing. I think I think we should be putting our top leaders on this one. I think. I'd love to hear Brett Brown give a, a testimony in in, uh, in the state capitol building because I, I think he just I, I I think this team really messed up I, and I think that was when it happened I think if if you're like if this is the airplane that crashed and we finally got the black box back this is where we're seeing the elevation drop and the cabin pressure go to zero or whatever happens when a plane crashes like this is this is that's when it happened I think that's really when this team went went wrong. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. 
Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. And I mean, you can honestly even like backtrack it to where you got one of the assets to make that trade and, and trading Mikhail Bridges for the pick that ended up being Zaire Smith and that first round pick that was included in the Tobias trade that actually formulated that whole process happening. That trade at the time I thought was okay. I did not hate the trade at the time. Obviously, in hindsight, you take it all back. <laughs> you take it all back. Um, but yeah, at, at the time, I did not hate the trade. I, I It got you a good asset, which obviously didn't get used for a good purpose. But And Zaire Smith, I mean, good through new fa- faults of his own, it seems, you know, just not an NBA player. Uh, I, I have to believe that him almost dying due to, to like a nut allergy is, is part of that. Uh, what a bizarre, what a bizarre time it's been. But I guess the good news for the Sixers is they've been playing better and beads back and it looks fantastic. I mean, just his, his ability to play has been wonderful. Uh, beat the Hornets in overtime the other night. And we had said, you know, over this four game stretch with Boston, the Hawks and, and the Hornets twice. Now we play the Hornets again right now, actually, but. If you, if you win two out of those four, that's I think that's a good return, and they're mm-hmm. they're on track for that. They already have those two. If you if you get three out of four, you know you look at the standings now, you're you're back in the playoff picture, which is nice. <laughs> um, but you know you're, you're starting to to make up a lot of ground that you unfortunately lost with Embiid's COVID absence, and he's talked about how he has some rust. Uh, didn't really look like it. <laughs> he, he certainly has been performing uh, just as well, but. You hope his conditioning gets back to a, a good level, um, and that he's he's able to continue in a, in a good way for the rest of the season. But yeah, the Sixers. I mean, you could do so much. You could write so much and do a lengthy pod series. I think about the last five years and the mistakes made. And honestly, I think there's way more the Sixers got wrong than right mm-hmm. over the last five years. Way more. Hundred percent, and on pick up the uh, the Ben for Dame trade swap. Fifty nine percent of uh, voters on there are saying that it will not happen. So we're not in the minority there. Um, I mean, your your best hope is that you know Embiid stays healthy because he's the only thing keeping this ship afloat. When he's out, things are bad. Um, hopefully, he's continuing to get healthy. Fuck Howard Eskin for basically saying that like. He's a crybaby for like you saying that. You don't even have hard. to give additional context. Valid. You could just say it. You could just say it. <laughs> Basically saying Embiid. You could just leave it at the first three words. <laughs> he said Embiid was like a, a baby for saying that, you know, COVID hit him hard. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, dude was it's out for like three weeks. And I think the thing too is like we forget basketball players are just massive human beings mm-hmm. that are already at, at higher rate. I mean, I don't want to get dark, but. You know, there's that whole thing about how taller men too have lower, shorter life expectancies mm-hmm. because it's just it's so much more work for your body to do for your organs for your heart. So yeah, it's only I don't know, it's only like a, an easy way to say like a respiratory virus 
that is very damaging and can be very damaging, could be very damaging to someone that his body is already under a lot of stress and strain <laughs> because of its size. And he's not the first NBA player either to, to publicly mm-hmm. say that they had a difficult time with COVID. You know, Jason Tatum is, is my example always because last year he was talking about how he uh, needed an inhaler to, to, to play games. And thankfully he said this year he doesn't need it. He's, he's kind of, I guess, uh, progressed well enough through recovery, but it's no joke, you know, like it's still, it's like when people, um, who was that Jets player? Was it uh, Elijah Moore that had, or no, it was uh, the rookie they drafted last year had food poisoning from yeah. salmon. And uh, people joke about food poisoning. And it's like, no, you've never, like, I don't know that you've ever had food poisoning then if you mm-hmm. like joke about because food poisoning is like legitimately you can't keep liquid down in your body. And he lost like 25 pounds or 30 pounds, yeah. I think he said. Like when you're talking about like debilitating illness, your body takes a long time to recover from that. And if, if Embiid, as he says, had a, had a really difficult time with COVID, then it's not just immediate bounce back. I mean, even if you just had like the sniffles, you know, you feel bad for mm-hmm. a day. The next day, usually, you know, go try and run half yeah. a mile. Go, go, go to work, you know, and like see if your performance is the same way. So I, you know, I, I can't stand people that give people a hard time for being honest about where they're at physically or mm-hmm. mentally because it's like, he didn't have to give us that update. Right. He could have just played it. I, I like that he's he's honest and open about, you know, he struggled with it. I think it's important that we we make it aware that it's still, you know, it's still an issue. You have to be careful. You have to do everything you can to mitigate your risk. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, Exactly. Um, and, you know, speaking of uh, debilitating illnesses, we had a, a nice little pup take a nice little dump on the mid-ice logo of the Flyers to uh, celebrate. Elaine Vigneault has been uh, relieved Christen. of his duties. No pun intended there. Uh, no longer It's the like coach. when they, they, they have a new ship and they smash the champagne bottle <laughs> on the front of it. It's like that. Yeah, no longer the head coach of the Flyers. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it's been like five coaches in seven years or seven coaches in nine years or something for the Flyers. Just absolutely embarrassing the way that this team just continues to to operate. And I honestly don't think anything will change with this team until uh, an actual human is the owner of the team and not, you know, a a TV cable provider company. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of similar to the Sixers in that it's it's longer. You know, if you look back at like the last 10 years, of the Flyers history and the mistakes that have been made. And it's, it's funny. The Flyers are almost a combination of every other Philly sports team in terms of like, okay, so they had this kind of golden period, like the Phillies, they weren't able to capitalize it like they were. Uh, and the post golden years were not spent very fruitfully and perhaps took too long to, to move guys on and, and rebuild. The rebuild itself, like the Phillies, did not go very well. It, they did. If you think about it, like the Flyers, especially you know, the last five or six years, everything was about like, all right, well, we have these awesome prospects coming through. None of those guys have materialized in a very meaningful way. None of the guys that we were told about, at least, yeah, you know, like Travis Konechny was not a name that was being touted all the time, uh, and it's it's. To have gone through what the Flyers went through and, and 
to try and rebuild the way that they did and to come out without a real truly game changer is is a failure they've made bad front office decisions they made bad draft decisions they made bad trade decisions they've made bad hiring decisions which is very similar to, to some of these other teams i think similar to the sixers in terms of mismanagement at times or lacking direction at times and lacking who's in control at times and yeah i mean chuck fletcher is also like a huge issue like this is mm-hmm. you know if you talk about the mismanagement of the colangelo era it's similar like and this is a guy too that uh, colangelo had a better resume than chuck fletcher did by the way i yeah, mean which is Brian scary colangelo, to think about. once upon a time was like a respected like genuinely i mean it's because of nepotism it's not like he really necessarily earned it but um Chuck Fletcher, like, I, as a casual hockey fan, I I was like, this guy sucks, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, was he not responsible for the Minnesota Wild just being, like, very average for a very long time and then just shelling out terrible contracts, which they're still reckoning with? It's like the Phillies. It, yeah, it's like Dave Dombrowski, but, like... Well, it, it, it's Clentac and Andy McPhail. Right. Like it's, but it's, it's someone arriving with a reputation of like, oh, like this is a guy who pushes your franchise in a direction. And it's like, oh, a good one. It's like a direction. They push Same thing with Big Phil. Direction. It was like, oh, you know, he yeah. won a world series with the Minnesota twins in the eighties. So, let's stop taking people from Minnesota. Actually. Yeah. Minnesota, LA. Maybe make that a general rule uh, about all of our, our sports teams. The Flyers are, I mean, this is a, an unprecedented slide, I feel, into darkness mm-hmm. for my entire lifetime the flyers have been a competitive team they've never had they've never had obviously stanley cup success i mean they've, they've never been they haven't been winning championships but they've perennial been, been uh, in the playoffs they've made deep playoff runs they've always been in some ways exciting or in some ways entertaining or at least good like you you know you're able to tune in to flyers games and watch them or you know that like hey like something happens this year maybe we can go to a stanley cup that is gone. That that consistency is gone. It, you know, we, we joked about how, well, this is actually every other year they make the playoffs. So this is the year, right? But it's, I don't know where where you solve this issue. And, and you're right in pointing out too that the ownership is a big question mark as well. There's more questions than, than answers, unfortunately, with the Flyers right now. And it's, it's a big ask. It's a big ask to fix it because I, I don't know where you start. I, I don't know where the cleanup starts. I know that I don't think AV and is is necessarily like the fault in all of this. He's not blameless, but I don't know that like you get a new coach in here and all of a sudden things are different. Um, You can't carve rotten wood. I think the Flyers wood is very rotten at the moment. And sometimes you just have to demo demo the house. There's no point in rebuilding it. Uh, sometimes you just have to clear the land and try again. And I think the Flyers have to do that. And it's not, it's not easy, but I don't know where you go from here. This is, this is a team in just a very bad situation because it's not even like, wow, uh, you know, the, well, there's, there's some hope for the future. There's the, I don't know that there is. I, I, no. I don't know what, you, what, what is your hope? What is your ideal scenario for the Flyers in the next five years? I don't know. You have no idea. And I think it also like brings up the question because so for so many years too, it's like, you know, 
casual Philly sports fans. Obviously, so many people invested in the Eagles with the Super Bowl happening, invested in the Phillies just because Bryce Harper's here, Zach Wheeler, uh, the Sixers because they've been perennial playoff contenders. They, they've been, you know, favorites to, to go deep in the playoffs, and obviously it hasn't happened. But with the Flyers, it, it is one of those things where it's starting to feel almost, especially after this year with the run that they had, like more people are, are hopping on and paying attention to the union more so than the Flyers at this point. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. If you're winning <laughs> uh, and have likable players, you know, the union have a lot of strengths and that they're, they're a very homegrown team. Every city, it's not just a Philly thing, but every city loves guys that have been through the farm system that they watch, especially with, with soccer, where you literally watch these people grow up, literally. Like, you know, you're watching 16-year-old, 17-year-olds play and, and grown to men in front of you. But yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate barometer for any of this is just being successful it, you know mm-hmm. people will latch on if you're doing well and we saw that with the flyers we saw a lot of people that like the flyers but checked out and i get it <laughs> um you know checked out during the, the the very inconsistent years in between you know 2010 and now they they came back in you know 2020 when this team is rolling and they came back for the bubble because there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of hope around this team. And and since they got bounced from there, it has been a very steep decline uh, in performance. And I would say an excitement level from, from Philly fans as well. Because it's just, you've been burned by them. They're not particularly fun to watch. And it just feels like this organization is is steeped in mediocrity right now. Mm-hmm. And that is that is tough. That is tough to like root for, and that is tough to to move in on. I I just don't, I don't, I don't see the path forward here. Especially after an off season where you did do so many just big time roster changes, where you traded Voracek, you brought in Cam Atkinson, Ristolainen, and you brought in Ryan Ellis, and like every single one of the moves you did this off season seems to just have backfired completely in your face. Yeah, I, I think the rest of the line and thing too, I mean, there was skepticism. It's very similar to the Tobias mm-hmm. contract we just talked about where at the time, I think there's skepticism about that trade. And now you look at that pick and think like, Christ, right. you know, like that could, you know, you, you, you moved on from a potential really important asset there. So yeah, I, I think, and again, that's that's the Chuck Fletcher thing, right? Is like he had his turn, he had control, and this is the roster that he's built. Now there's been some injuries, but that let's be honest, the injuries are not the reason that the Flyers are in this position. It's not like they've been, you know, it's not the Sixers situation. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, you know, it, you, you get a pass for these few weeks. Like the Flyers, this is who the Flyers are. 
And this is not new. We, we saw the second half of last season that it was not good. We got fooled, I think, the first, what, like two weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. This team was scoring. They seemed like lots of fun. The energy was back. They're fighting people. <laughs> and now it's dog shitting on the ice. The 2021-22 Flyers yearbook. Just I just, mess. I just don't understand it. No, and and I like I said, I don't think much will change until the day comes where Comcast Spectacor gets their heads out of their asses and is like, okay, we're gonna hand this over to an actual human to run this team because it seems like they just are going through day to day, not really caring about what is out there as long as you know tickets are being sold, and that's. You know, the beauty and the downfall with Flyers fans that are so hardcore, so diehard that buy tickets, go to games and everything, they they will continue to go to games and it's just putting, you know, fans in the seats, it's putting money in their pocket and it's making it seem like it's a success because the team's making money. They're not going to feel it until you stop going to the games. Yeah, definitely. I, I That's that's unfortunately part of it. It's It's hard because... Obviously, you know, there are people that have made flyers their life and, uh, you know, support them through through just as bad times. I, It's tough. It's a, it's a tough situation because you don't ever want to tell another fan like, hey, you should like stop going to game. But like that is I mean, it, there's there's little incentive for the flyers to make any improvement, make any change because they're ultimately a business. And while they're still making tons of money, but what reason is there for the for them to change, right? Like, but I I, I just have to think that something changes um, soon, or at least this year. I, I don't know how Chuck Fletcher's position is tenable, because even if you are just looking at it, hey, you know, we're we're happy to just as long as fans are coming to the games, that's it. Like, at some point, you know the criticism of the team and the performance on the ice has to catch up to you. And, you know, we saw with, with Axtell, like at at a certain point, like it's your fault. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. At a certain point, like your time runs out and hopefully this is, you know, the start of something, but knowing the flyers and knowing their history, it's probably just another bump in the road. They'll try to continue this, this weird rebuild type deal that they're in and uh it's not a rebuild at all until you tear the whole thing down and and start fresh um and speaking of starting fresh matt um i'm just gonna for for a couple seconds here gonna go in 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 solidarity with uh the major league baseball players association and change my profile picture really (laughs) quick uh as we are now in a baseball lockout matt and uh Major League Baseball has done more in terms of just making sure they're not showcasing any of their players on their website or any stories about them than actually getting this CBA under wraps. Well, no, Kyle, they had the, the greatest uh, greatest plays of 2002 on the other day. You didn't see it on, a, on the MLB Network? They did. <laughs> on a week where Barry Bonds doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. Fantastic. Yikes. Absolute yikes. Um, we had kind of joked about this and it was like funnier when it was a joke it's like ah well you guys could be a lockout so um starting to feel more real <laughs> i i can't say that i know a lot about where they're uh 
where they're at in their negotiation. I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't read enough. It's, it's kind of been on the back of my mind um, about reading up on where they're at with any kind of negotiations and what kind of uh, the grievances are. But the players have, I think it's interesting because I think especially the last year, it's really cemented. I, and you saw this. There's obviously not to get too uh, too topical and political, but there's obviously the uh, the Kellogg's company who owns like all the the cereal brands and stuff uh, has fired a bunch of workers that were striking and, and unionizing um, because they didn't like the the contract that Kellogg's gave them. You're and there's a lot of public support for the workers in that instance. And really, this is no different. I mean, you're still talking about a union. You're still talking about people coming to a bargaining table and, and getting a fair shake for themselves and for their futures. I think more than ever, there's solidarity with like the workers. Mm-hmm. Not that you still aren't going to have like bootlickers that are saying, well, it's millionaires versus billionaires. It's like, yeah, there's a significant exponential difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Um, I think there's there's going to be the fans are more on the player's side than they've probably mm-hmm. ever been. And we haven't seen a lockout in this kind of era. You know, the, the last lockout we had was... 94? I mean, uh, sports oh. in general. Was either NBA or NHL? I can't remember. I think they were like back-to-back years, weren't they? Yeah, the NBA like the NFL was, like, was in there too. and Yeah. But, you know, we actually the NBA. lost... Were you, where you lost game time, you know, the yeah. NBA and NHL both lost. I can't remember which season it might've been the same year. I don't think, 20, I think it, it was NHL. I believe it was NHL was 2011, 12 and NBA was 2012, 13. Okay. But both those seasons you lost games Yeah, and that sucks. That sucks as a fan. It sucks as players. There's some people with asterisks on those seasons, whether that's fair or not. I, I, I don't think so, but more than ever now in this, like we have this player empowerment era, the rise of social media where you feel like you actually get to know the players a lot better now. They have their own personalities, they have their own platforms and communities that they build. I think now more than ever, play, like players had the support of fans. Probably not all fans still, probably not a majority of fans, but way more than they've ever had. So I'm curious to see how this progresses because no longer is the blame going to be really on the players mm-hmm. for the you know for a, a percentage of the fan base now. Like There's going to be a lot of ire towards the owners and towards the fact that these are billionaires that can afford to pay players that can afford to pay staff because they are billionaires and they didn't work very hard for their money. In fact, they cheated the system to get their money. And I, I think I, I, I am curious to see how that, that moves forward. Yeah. And I mean, the, the first spring training game, uh, you know, scheduled for like the end of February, usually, um, so there's a there's a poll on uh, the Athletics SB Nation website where it says you know when will the MLB lockout end before the end of December in January which allegedly talks uh, you know to kind of figure this thing out uh, are being tabled until like mid January because uh, they're taking you know the holidays off and everything and then rolling it into January uh, in February slightly delaying spring training in March slightly delaying opening day in April or later shortening the season or never the season gets canceled entirely. Um, I think the social media thing too is huge. Cause you've seen like, you know, we just joked with all the players changing their profile pictures to, you know, the generic, you know, non-player uh, profile picture type deal. Um, you know, 
somebody put out, it was like, you know, players are going to feel the heat more now than ever because of the social media era. And it's like, no, the owners are going to feel it more than ever. And yeah, that's, that's the thing too, is like the owners and, and stuff like that are going to succumb to the pressure because when they see that people aren't liking their sport and aren't going to show up, they're going to be like, Oh shit, we have to figure something out. Yeah. Steve Cohen is having a rough time with agents. Wait till he's getting, uh, Hot dogs thrown at his face. Yeah, wait till Mets season twenty four seven is uh, in his Twitter mentions saying, "Yo, figure this shit the fuck out." There's been some interesting writing about too about. I mean, again, this is going way beyond, <laughs> but about you know, the problem with social media is there are bots on social media, mm-hmm. and you can buy bots to astroturf key phrases. We've seen it with Amazon during strikes. And there's definitely circulation that there are bots replying to MLB tweets and stuff and kind of astroturfing these ideas that it's the players that are greedy and their fault and things like that. And that's that's the challenge, too, is like in this era where, yes, the players certainly have power and control more than they've ever had it. They should have more. But there's also this this underbelly where it's like, yeah, like chances are when you see an inflammatory comment under a Twitter reply or on Facebook or something, it. it might not be a real person it mm-hmm. might be there and and bought for the sole purpose of sowing discourse or making you know impressionable people believe a certain way so yeah I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting simply because this is the first time this is the first lockout that we're gonna have under these circumstances where i really do feel that people are much more sympathetic to the players mm-hmm. and their cause and much more hostile towards the owners um at the end of the day, in all sport, it's up to the owners to to put up or shut up. And again, I can't stress this enough. These are billionaires that very frequently never had to work very hard for their money. And they made their money by screwing people over. We should never forget that. And they don't pay taxes. And they don't people play, pay people properly, including the players, mm-hmm. especially in baseball. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. like 45 minutes and we're at like Chelsea. What are we doing? (laughs) Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. They do not deserve your respect. They do not deserve uh, your bootlicking. Save it for someone else. <laughs> actually, no one. Don't bootlick for anyone. Maybe actually, yeah. People in power. There. <laughs> people in power don't need you to like be like sucking on their toes. Uh, they have enough of it already. 
you, you don't need to add to the pile. It's gross and unsanitary. But yeah, I, I, I hope things get resolved because ultimately, like you, you really don't want to see games lost. It's, it's just unfortunate. It's, it's not fun for the fans. Um, I support the players and like in their endeavors, and I, I support them for for all sports simply because, again, that's that's where the power needs to be shifted. Because I think the MB, uh, the MLB very poorly navigates this by blacking all these players and stuff in their names because it's a very real. I don't know, metaphor mm-hmm. for like what the MLB is without its players, which is nothing. You're nothing without the players. If you don't have Mike Trout and Otani, if you don't have Bryce Harper, if you don't have Castellanos, <laughs> if you don't have Max Scherzer and Kershaw, like if you don't have these guys, then you have absolutely nothing. You have no talent. You have nothing to actually go for. And that's the same it is with all these companies and corporations. If you, if you have no labor, if you have no actual workers and employees, you have nothing. You don't have a thing that functions anymore. So pay them and treat them well. Yeah. Um, they've they've unintentionally really, I think, owned themselves with that one because it's like, okay, you're just proving the players' points, actually. Yeah. And I mean, it, it doesn't help when the commissioner who, you know, technically works for the owners is a guy like Rob Manfred who just truly hates the sport that he works for and, it's just and a has piece of, it's just a piece of metal. He he's the worst. Um, and I think him being in charge uh, of what's going on with this lockout and kind of being like that liaison just makes things worse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a deal, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I, no commissioner, I think is, uh, you know, what's funny is like, they always say that, uh, like a U.S. president always, uh, like has never not been reelected during a time of war. If there were elections, for like uh commissioners of sports leagues i think it would be like the opposite it's like no commissioners ever gotten reelected after a lot like it is just such an wildly unpopular thing i don't even think the owners like it because i think it brings like undue pressure and criticism that they don't want um i you know i i think everyone hates lockouts and i think very often the commissioner becomes the face of the lockout becomes mm-hmm. like the you know the, the people that everyone gets really upset with. I can remember when uh, the NFL referees, they yeah. were, uh, they had the replacement referees and how much heat Roger Goodell got for the, like at the end of the day, the commissioner is the one that has to, uh, has to, to go first on the guillotine, you know, of public opinion. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hopefully this gets resolved sooner rather than later because you, you think about all the, the free agents that are still out there as well who didn't get to sign before this lockout happened. Like, there's going to be a mad dash to sign these guys if it is, you know, rushing to get to spring training, figuring out if you have to uproot your family and everything uh, to, to get ready for the season. It's going to be a mess. So hopefully it gets figured out sooner rather than later. Um, just like everybody has soon figured out the name of Charles Barkley's daughter's origin. Did you see this video clip, Matt? I did. Um, <laughs> Christiane is a beautiful name. I, uh, I have the video here for the people at home to see Charles Barkley oh, and Ernie. There's <laughs> a Christiana ball, uh, in Delaware that I used to always go by. That's how she got her name, Christiana. Hold. Stop. Wait, what is it? You named your daughter after a mall? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just like the mall. 
I respect his honesty. <laughs> I respect his candidness. And I, you know what? I know I've been critical of the TNT crew. Charles Barkley is what great TV. Because you know what? Does not hold back. Speaks his mind truly. Uh, he had a really funny quote I saw circulating a week or two ago. He's like, yeah, I'm dying broke. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not giving any of my <laughs> money to gamble my all his money away. <laughs> He's so, I'm gonna be honest, I love gambling and I'm I'm not dying bro- I'm dying broke. I'm not dying rich. Like, <laughs> respect it. It's Christian the... is a nice name. I'll yeah. give it to him. That's a nice name. It's you can just... name your kid what the Deffert Mall. <laughs> uh, King really? of Prussia? That's a long name. <laughs> People might get weirded up by that. The Fashion District Mall. <laughs> the Cumberland Mall. Cumberland Mall. You did not want to name your kid the Cumberland Mall. That's a rough. Tough. If you're gonna, I just saying, if you're gonna pick a mall in the area, you do worse. Yeah, a lot worse. I think it's just hilarious that he's. It's not that he liked the name. It's I like the mall. I I can't I can't lie. Never been to the Christiana Mall. Really? Uh, I've I've never been the person that's gone to Delaware for my uh, my tax free buying. But um, maybe not. I gotta make the trip. Maybe that's going to be like a a pilgrimage for for people. Every Sixers fan now has to make a pilgrimage to the Christiana Mall. To, yeah, uh, we're going to lay uh lay basketballs in front of the the dicks at uh at the Christiana Mall. <laughs> uh, Charles Barkley forever, man. Um, Matt Survivor was incredible last week. It uh, certainly uh, certainly was. We get we get a new twist into the game. Uh, I'm sure you were holding on for dear life like I was when you see Deshaun drop out first. Um, but at the end of the day, Liana goes home. Um, what just a, a fantastic back to back week in terms of just episodes and drama and you know storyline for this season to have you know the immunity challenge presented with this twist and then our guy gets knocked out first you have the the drawing of rocks to determine if you're gonna actually compete in the immunity challenge danny ends up winning uh on the 25th anniversary of the passing of his dad and uh then you go to tribal council and deshaun's gotta you know just pick a box and it's like here's your fate i i gotta be honest i i really did not like that twist at all not at all i Okay, so here's what I do like. I do like the idea of players being able to, quote-unquote, like display how safe they feel in the game. And they used to have a game like this, mm-hmm. which unfortunately got like game-theoried out as similar to the Survivor auction where people figured out, like, hey, like, you could easily... like, There's a, a reward at the end of this. Just save your money. Don't buy the, the tacos. Uh, there was another game, though, where it was... Um, they usually did around like when there was like seven or eight people. And it was usually like in seasons where there was a really strong five or four. And it was like that one where you had to, uh, you would answer trivia about everyone else. And if you got it right, mm. you got to cut someone's rope and you only had three ropes and it was for a reward. And it, it was an effective way of showing who is, and it did work in some seasons to really show like, and I, I do remember, I, I think it actually working the way they intend where it shows the people that are, not the very bottom but the bottom of the strong alliance like oh hold on like i'm gonna come in fifth if i don't change my life um 
I like that idea, and I think that's what they're going for. I think it's a bad implementation of it, and I would not like to see it again. Uh, simply because the game that he ends up playing is just, I don't like the... It's literally the, the game on the Jumbotron at a baseball game, and it's like, oh, follow along with the ball underneath the helmet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, it's the picking the... It's not even that. It's picking the SEPTA train <laughs> and which if red or blue is going to win at a Phillies game. You know, like, it's just like, it's not... There's nothing to it other than just no. luck. There's and no skill. I get that there's luck in Survivor. Um I just I don't like the idea that someone could be sent home by something like that. Like that just mm-hmm. doesn't. I don't know. Because I uh, thought I was, it was going to be some sort of like a trivia type thing, or like, oh, you've got to make fire with limited supplies or something like that. And it's like, do or die intends on like marketing itself that way. And it's like, here, use your survivor skills to stay in the game. I would actually prefer even if um, they do something like that again, but it's not for like your life in the game. It's like a vote. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe, maybe in the future you could do something like that. It's like, hey, you have the option to sit out of this challenge today, but just know that if you're the first gone, uh, you know, you could you have to do something at tribal and you might not have a vote or something yeah. like that. Or like, I, I don't like the idea of like getting like if he had gotten sent home off that, not just because he's my the guy I picked to win. Yeah. And I have he's him on show Survivor Fantasy and we love him. Uh, that would have made it even worse, I, yeah. I would say. But yeah, I, I just I. That's where Survivor, I think, is doing a little too much. Yeah. A little too much of the manufactured drama and not stepping back and letting the players provide the drama and provide the storyline because I think it overshadows too what and also like you said, an awesome episode. And there's a lot of really good like social commentary in this one. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, like public discussion about race and being a good ally. And Jeff has always loved to talk about how this game is a social experiment. And I think in a way he's right because it, it very frequently does bring people from different paths of, of the world together. And especially now with a much more diverse cast, which is great because it does give us so many different perspectives. I don't think it's a coincidence that this has been one of the better seasons that we've had. And it's the first season that they've, they've gone forward this new diversity initiative. Um, and if you think about our favorite people on the show this season, overwhelmingly they're, they're people of color and, that has not been the case on Survivor in the past. There, there, it typically is a lot of white people. Typically, at the end, it's it's we've mentioned how surprising that Xander's the last white dude left. You know, like, and that's just not been the case so very often in, in Survivor history, where there is just someone who's not white <laughs> there at the end. And now you have, a, you know, a, a great diverse cast. That I think is very important, and I think is it's very very it's a true reflection of what America is. America mm-hmm. is not, you know, if it's a cast of 18, 15 white people and three minor, you know, like it's just not, that's not what America is. And that's not the representation that we want or need. And it's good because I, I think they've brought a different perspective, which is important and healthy. And I, they've brought great gameplay too, which is also important and healthy to, you know, your reality TV show, game show. <laughs> like that's exactly. that's big. <laughs> To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
it kind of was was very frustrating watching Shan in the jury, and she was just like pissed the entire time. I was like, "Come yeah, on, Mike!" She's still somehow the main character, isn't she? Yeah, that's, that's not surprising. <laughs> they seem to really like her. Um, I like Shan. You know, Shan Shan's great. Um, but yeah, I could do. You know what? I, I'm mad they they haven't. I don't know if maybe I just I've missed it, but they don't do the jury walk in anymore. I love yeah. the jury walk in. They just cut to them right there. I don't know what it is. I love seeing, especially the person who was booted last week. Mm-hmm. I love seeing them walk in. They always give a little like, they give a little smile or something, or they're like a little wave. And you're like, oh, they look so nice, all cleaned up. Or if you they're know, pissed, like, they're just like, yeah, they kind of give you the stare down. But yeah, um, yeah I don't I, think I they've done the jury walk in. I, I didn't notice that until you brought that up. I've like replayed it, and it's like, yeah, they have not done that. So. It listen. The season is still overall to me really good. I I did not care for the twist. I I like the idea of like giving people options. I would actually also just spitballing, but I think maybe even give them an option of having food. They've done that in the past too. Where it's like you could either eat. You know, there's been times where it's mm-hmm. like you could only eat as long as the challenge was going on. Like that's a good incentive. Like I think there's ways to make that more interesting and more about what Survivor wants. Whereas like. Yeah, you know, you can take risks and you can take, you know, destiny into your hands or whatever. But yeah, I would also say, though, like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if I'm the first one out. There's no shot that I'm not playing for immunity under pretty much any circumstance. I was going to ask you, would Survivor. you have played or would you have sat out? You got to play. You got to listen. I, I was shocked that Deshaun dropped that early. Like, that was what ten seconds. I mean, if like, that, if that, I, I was very surprised at, at that. Um, that's a, that I like too that they brought back a lot of these classic challenges as well. That was yeah. that was one I, I remember uh, popping up before, and I really I really like that one because it's sneaky hard. Mm-hmm. You do not expect something like that to be so challenging, and it's not you can't train for that. You know, like you, you're not you're not heavy and you're building. Uh, that little ball pyramid at home, right? Like they had the wind um, factored in as well, which you can't yeah. prepare for whatsoever. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't shocked that Heather sat out, mostly because she's kind of just along for the ride as long as she can now. Um, but I was kind of surprised Liana sat out, and it was ultimately, you know, her downfall because she couldn't win immunity <laughs> and she gets sent home. Um, so I mean, that, Liana's that brings... been good in challenges too. It's not like she's I mean, no disrespect to Heather. It's not like she's and Heather by her own admission. Yeah, you know, was saying that she wasn't at that. The only people she's outlasted at challenges on the bench was like, listen, um, you might make it to a final three. Like, there's a chance Heather's in the final three. You probably don't want to be insulting the jury and saying that uh, they all sucked, mm-hmm. and since they sucked and aren't there anymore, now you suck the most. Like, probably not the best <laughs> social strategy. But Liana's been good at challenges. I was. A little surprised actually, because it's not like she's, you know, it's not like she's incapable of winning. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's she's been good. I, I thought she's she's performed pretty well, so I was a little surprised to see her her not go for it. Now it's probably not going to happen, but it would be electric if the final four was Danny, Deshaun, Ricard, and Xander. It could be. I, I think one of those four are are going. Home. I mm-hmm. I would be surprised if we don't get like a double. Elimination yeah. tonight. I, I don't know. I don't know how many. I have felt this way. I'm making the call now. This is officially 7:59 right before the show. I would not be surprised if they switched up and do a final two this season. They've talked so much about. Listen, I just I've had this gut feeling since like episode three 
that like I, in, I could be totally wrong. I have nothing to back that up, but I just I have this feeling that they've talked so much about the drop the four, leave the one, whatever. Like, and they've done it in the past where they don't tell the the mm-hmm. competitors that it's going to be a final two or final three. Everyone just assumes, and we've seen people get burnt by assuming that it's a final three or that it's a final two and it's thrown people for a loop. And I just, I wonder, I, I do wonder if maybe they, they bring us back to a final two. Who knows? I think that'd be a really interesting uh, twist. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it because now you're getting into crunch time and now it's where you really have to, it's the playoffs now. Like this is where are you had this week and next week? You, you have to, elevate yourself to a higher level and some of it is luck some some things just have to break through the right way but ultimately like this is where like greatness comes out of and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing there's there's plenty of guys i think it, that that could make this 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 run now like there's plenty of people left on the show that i think could win and i think it's interesting that the the show preview like the next week on survivor shows that they're out there scrambling for hidden immunity idols and it looks like danny found one we got it. We can't trust the previews. The previews That's are, uh, you know, they love to they love to to make us believe one thing is happening when it isn't. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be electric. That's for sure. Uh, now that we're down to a final six, it's kind of tough to do three up, three down. Um, but I mean, if you had to put your fringe on, you know, between those those top four that we kind of have mentioned as you know the the power four, I guess you could say that are left uh, with Xander Ricard. Danny and Deshaun, who's kind of the odd man out in that sense. Man, that's out of those. It's weird Xander and Ricard all of a sudden, very close. That seemed to kind of, I don't know that we got the full thing on that. Uh, They were like strategizing a lot. I think they're actually a great match because they both, Ricard is very like, uh, forward focusing and a lot mm-hmm. more analytical. And I, I think that was part of the reason him and Shan, you know, were always kind of destined to move apart is where Shan seemed more social and mm-hmm. more like let like the emotion get in the way, whereas Ricard has always felt like strictly game, like by his own admission, it's all game. It's all like all theory, like, and I, I think Xander sees it the same way where Xander, I think is a little, he's a great mix of what Shan and Ricard were, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have to believe, though, that Xander's still the odd man out because I think he just still, for me, has the narrowest path to victory. He can win. I think he's still very strong, but does have an idol still. Yep. That's that's a, that's a big thing to be having. Um, but I just I have to feel that he's he still feels like the odd man out to, to me. But um, Tanny and Deshaun, I feel like it gets separated. I, I feel like there's... I still feel like there's a point where they maybe look at each other and realize, like, I don't know, I could beat you in a final three or final two, but mm-hmm. I'm not positive about that. And, like, if I had the option to take even Erica over you, I think I'll do that. So I wonder if that comes uh, soon as well, where one of those kind of, they, they turn on each other to move forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. We're going to go catch the next episode of Survivor. Be sure to follow Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter, at Buffs and Snuffs. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Follow Matt at Matt Castorino on Twitter. Follow me at KBIZZL311. 
and follow the network and the podcast at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content. Check out the Twitch channel when we're not on here. Steven Schneider's being one of the best goddamn digital golfers on the planet. Twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. And of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about AV getting fired, the state of the Sixers, uh, the MLB lockout, and anything else in between. Jason Kelsey being nominated as the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year for the Eagles as well. Uh, five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. You can also check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades Stateside Vodka and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use pro- promo code USP. You get 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Steven Schneider checking in. Obviously saying can he keep his uh, his cut streak alive in a familiar territory. He's coming we up next. We believe in you, Steve. We believe in Steve. He's coming up next. Twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. And uh, this has been episode number 384 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We are a signing off. Peace. Change.